As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Hear that podcast growling, mean and angry, hear that local shouting, it's Dainer and Jay, it's Dainer and all right jay here we are the day has finally arrived here to that podcast trial and live show presented by visa network working for everyone it's good it's good to finally be here i feel refreshed but mostly just trying to figure out if there is enough coffee in the greater cincinnati area to get us all the way through the picks and the interviews and the stories and the podcast tonight. I bought a four pack of five hour energy. I don't know if I'll drink them all, but I will drink a couple and I might take a nap this afternoon as well. Yeah. You know, I've often attempted this, the draft day nap. (laughs) I assume that it is something that happens for people successfully. I have never been able to complete it. Uh, Something always pops up or I just lay there and just can't do it. I just, I'd love to be able to pull that off, but um, I don't. I don't think I'm going to be able to do it. I think I'm just going to have to power through. I'm. I'm not stunned. I. I knew you were a five-hour energy guy, uh, but I think. I think anybody that didn't know that that's listening is is not stunned by that development. <laughs> I don't. I, I do it for long drives uh, through the night. Mm-hmm. I, I don't drink them regularly, although. If you are dragging a little bit, it's it's much better. It takes less one little five hour energy uh, as opposed to two or three cups of coffee. So Bengals uh, currently slated to pick thirty one, which I don't know, Jay. Do you want to you want to place a bet on what exact time that pick will come down? Well, the, the uh, I think the I remember seeing that the NFL sent out a estimated time for each round, and they estimated that the first round would end at eleven thirty. So I guess that would put the Bengals in the eleven fifteen range. Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not buying it. I think it's closer to midnight. Yeah, the I feel like it's like it's it's like the you know the Golden Globes or <laughs> it's always going to go longer. Let's hope let's hope you don't end up slapping me before the night is over, but. Uh, yeah, around theoretically in the 1115, 1130 area, I'll take anything before midnight at this point, uh, for the Bengals to make their pick. Well, looks like, uh, it's good to see everybody showing up here in the room and, um, we're going to open it up to questions because 
frankly, I'm out of things to talk about. Everything's up on the site for you guys that haven't uh, gone and take a look and peruse mock drafts, big boards, draft debates, uh, our podcast. I hope everybody enjoyed. Thanks to everybody that came and joined on that one with James Rapine and Butch Hobson and Mo and Jake Lisko and, and everybody that was on that. We had a lot of fun with that. If you haven't listened to that, highly recommend as we run through the rounds and things like that. But in the meantime, if you would like to ask a question, just do a request to ask there and we'll put you uh, uh, right up uh, in the line and pull people up onto stage. And we'll try to get through as many as we can running it up. Uh, we, we're, we're out the door here at noon. And uh, so we'll get to as many as we can between now and then. Let's start right here at the top and see how it goes. And uh, leadoff hitter John N. up on the stage. What's up, John? Hey, can you guys hear me? Sure. Yes, can. sir. Well, happy draft day, gentlemen. We appreciate all the you. work you guys put in. A lot of great articles. So I'm going to start off with a run passer boot because I know you guys love I that. Love great. Oh, that's that's a good start. All right, here you go. Bengals get a guy that falls that is widely viewed as an elite talent. Bengals take a guy that everybody says, what the heck just happened? And take somebody who's a second or third round prospect, kind of like Carmen was last year. Or Bengals trade trade specifically at with their first pick. Okay, so trade out WTF. Or, or elite faller. All right. Uh, that is an excellent run passer boot, John. I appreciate it. Let's, Jay, uh, you go first. I, I'm going to say at 31, you just never know. That seems to be the consensus being that it's just so all over the map uh, with how people feel, not just about the top 10, but really interchangeable nature of everything between 20 and 50 that there could be some surprises late in the round. Maybe the Bengals do pull one of the surprises off. I would tend to boot WTF. Yeah. Yeah. I would, no. But I would run. I, I will run. That's a really hard one. Cause I, I think that's a, that was a really close between rather they get somebody who falls that you're not expecting. Cause I do think there's going to be that, um, or trade back. Um, God, that's really close for me. Cause I, I just don't know if anybody's going to come up and I kind of wrote this in the mock draft yesterday. I, I just don't know how aggressive people are going to be wanting to come up into 31. You, you, there will probably be some offers, but how real will they be? Um, maybe they are, uh, but I'm, I guess for that fact, I'm going to run with the, the elite faller and I'm going to pass on the trade after booting WTF. I mean, those two kind of go hand in hand, right? If, if, if there's an elite faller, then all of a sudden their phone is going to start ringing and people may be interested in moving up. I've, I've got to, I'm going to just briefly pause this run passer boot for a, a trivia slash stat thing that that plays into this the the Bengals have the current NFL record for most consecutive rounds with a draft pick at 16 and they are one of only three teams that own a pick in every single round this year so if if they do trade out of the first round that that snaps that streak of 16 the last time they didn't pick in a round was draft was the fifth round of 2019 
So 16 straight rounds with a pick. Um, I, I think I'm going to run with that. I'm going to run with the trade back. I, I think the only, the only elite player that I could really see sliding to them where you were like, Oh, you didn't expect that would be Devonte Wyatt because the more and more mocks you see, he's he's in the second round now in some of these. And and I do think there's questions about the character, but I, I still think the talent is there. Someone's gonna pull the trigger on him before the Bengals do. I don't I don't imagine that's even gonna be an option for them. So I'll do that. I'll, I'll run with trade back, I'll pass on an elite faller, and I will also boot the WTF. The I mean the other faller in the name that's surfaced a lot lately is is George Karloftis. I, I just can't find anybody that I really have liked uh, or that I feel like I trust in that nature showing him falling. Mm-hmm. And and that's and that's from you know Dane to Daniel Jeremiah to you know the just the the ones that I like to look at that I feel like you just don't see that. And I've seen that name thrown out there and yeah of course i mean we haven't hardly talked we've talked about him some but everywhere the people in our organization have not even really had him in the vicinity of of making it back now maybe again i think everybody's anticipating things to be crazy and as you look at the mock drafts that have come out the last two days compared to the one he's in also partially just Coaches now know. I mean, coaches have gone through the whole process and seen what the board looks like. I think you get a little bit more of a realistic feel that it maybe it is it, the craziness of that will, would make somebody like that still be around. We just had not seen that um, much when it when it comes to what is going to be available for the Bengals. So that that would be the other name that I think you heard that you know most people have seen. I mean, I think PFF had him ten overall or eleven on their board and. I, I have not seen him anything any him ever getting past Arizona at 23, um, who's who's really looking for pass rush help. So maybe maybe that's something that happens, but it's just not something that we've seen. But hey, it's draft day. You never know what the hell's going to happen, especially in this one. Uh, let's go next. Let's bring in uh, Taylor C up onto the stage. Taylor, how are we doing? Good. You got me mid mid bite for lunch. My bad. No, 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 I hope it's Arby's. <laughs> um, close. Um, wow, food is stuck in the middle of my throat, but worth it for the question. Um, oh, wait, hope you guys no are doing problem. good. Take your time. Take your time. We we, we don't want to be a reason that anybody chokes here. We're just we're just trying to get through a day. We've got a long way to go. So take yeah, your time, we're drink some water. <laughs> we, we don't want to be responsible for this. Go ahead. What you got? We're good. We're good. Uh, yeah, I just kind of want to echo the previous statement. Thank you guys for all your content. Um, and I do want to ask for forgiveness in advance because I feel like you're going to get asked questions that you've probably already answered in a number of articles, podcasts, and everything. But um, speaking for myself, I've consumed so much uh, draft crap over the last like <laughs> month. It all just runs together. Yeah. But um, yeah. I first wanted to just kind of provide my two cents and get your thoughts on it. Uh, just, you know, the perks of being at 31 you can't really go wrong with some of those those guys that we think will be in that range. Um, but as I've kind of looked more and more into it uh, and looked at some of these guys, I'm I'm coming full circle on Linderbaum. That if he is there, like that's the guy I would want. But you know, if we if we take somebody else over him, that's fine too. Um, but the real question I wanted to ask was, as it relates to trade back, because we've heard plenty about all the prospects that could be there at 31. 
what would a trade compensation need to look like from your end to say, granted, there's other variables, variables, but like, what would a dream trade back scenario be compensation you're getting and then who you're still able to get in the second round with that trade? Yeah, that's a, it's a good, that's a really good question, Taylor. I mean, I, I think the, the draft compensation yesterday, when I was kind of going through this, trying to pick out, okay, who are the teams that I'm kind of here and might actually be looking to come up and, and what, what do they have? Houston is a wild card for me and they have a boatload of ammo. Um, and you're not going that far back. You're going back to 37 uh from 31 i mean it's not a big jump back if you're assuming there's going to be a lot of guys that you like that because it's the drafts all over the place maybe you still get maybe you get jalen petrie maybe you maybe you are looking at maybe hall's still there maybe i who knows i mean it's that you don't know what's going to be sitting in front of you so it's it's hard to specifically say one of the corners i mean maybe start talking about kyler gordon if you're comfortable with him being at a tier above the others and you could feel like you could get that person at 37, or maybe you really like McCreary, uh, but you don't want to take him at 31. You want to move further. I mean, there could be guys that you feel like are going to be there. They've done that enough that you don't feel like you're going to lose out. And then Houston, I mean, they have the two, two of the first three picks in round four, because Jacksonville, Houston, Houston, to me, I mean, that's a, that's almost a direct translation on the, uh, on the draft board points wise. You move back to 37, you add 107 right at the top of the fourth, and you can, uh, to me, ideally, I, I don't know, Jay, you tell me, that, that feels like that would be exactly what you would hope for. I just never know what the hell Houston's doing. Yeah, that, I mean, I don't think the the ideal scenario includes going back further than 10 spots, even maybe eight, maybe as far back as the Bears. Houston does make the most sense because they've got that that huge cash of picks where they could they could afford to do that. I don't it's really hard to say until you know who's available, what teams needs are and and who are the fallers, who's there. There may be a team that doesn't have a a ton of picks that really, really wants a guy. You know, another team is the Jets. They're they're at thirty five and thirty eight. They could they could move up um, to one of theirs and then give up a fourth. I, I think that's what you're looking at, either a swap of picks in the third round or getting a fourth for moving back anywhere in the, you know, say five to 10 spots. Um, but it's, it's really hard to, to kind of mock an ideal trade partner when, when you don't know who the players are on the board, um, both from the sense of, a team willing to move up to get one of them and from the sense of the Bengals feeling comfortable and having maybe four or five options at that point and, and figuring, Hey, if, if we move back five or six spots, we're still going to get one of them. And, you know, I would go back, I would say you say 10. Uh, yeah. I think that's really Seattle at 41 and 40. Mm-hmm. I mean, Seattle's an inter- is is a really interesting one because I mean, they don't have Drew Locke is not the answer. Okay, like and maybe and if they think it is and they have bigger problems than just trying to trade in this draft, but they so you know they're gonna be pro there's a good chance they're quarterback hunting. And there's also the situation John Schneider only trades back, like, but he's got a nine. The other thing is think about how many teams in the first round trades could affect who is sitting back 
in the second round behind you that maybe did a trade back in the second, knowing they would try to come back up in the first. I mean, remember the uh, year, I think it was two years ago, the second round, there was about a 45 minute period where I think every pick was traded. <laughs> and it was total madness and everybody's all over and flipping all over the place. Well, we're probably going to see that type of action that changes who's behind you, that changes teams that are directly in front of you, who you thought they might take one of your people off the board or leave people there. So I think that's the, that's the hard part about this is, is you just know that everything we're talking about here and still looking at the board is going to change. And, it's going to be, di- di- you just have to be willing. I- I'm with you. I think, I think you're probably willing. Your ideal scenario is you move back five to 10 picks. You pick up a fourth or maybe a late third uh, in somehow in that exchange. Jay, you wrote that great story about the history of these teams and what is this has looked like. You know, you, it's, it, what'd you call it? Like getting a tattoo, you get the yeah. first one and there's another one right behind it, right? <laughs> that, that's right. How, will you continue, will they then continue to move back and continue to try to add picks in the core of the draft? Um, you know, that's going to be thing to look for when, when that goes down. Yeah, I, I, this it, it has been a go-to move in years past and we have seen the Bengals make multiple trades in a given draft. I don't, it doesn't feel like that this year. They've, they've got a roster that got them to the Super Bowl. You don't have as many holes. You're, you're not looking to draft 10 or 11 guys this year because most of them aren't going to make the team anyhow. But it, it does feel like either that first round or that second round pick, um, you could see them move back. All right, let's take a second and switch gears here and hear from a sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. All right, let's go next and let's bring Andrew F. up onto this stage here. And uh, Andrew, how you doing? Hey, how are you guys? Great, Andrew. Great. Um, so last year we had a lot of talk about, you know, what does Burrow want? Does he want the offensive lineman or the wide receiver? And I think Zach like hinted at a little bit that they were asking Burrow's opinion. Do you think they're talking to Burrow about any of these prospects, given that it's a defense-heavy draft we're predicting? Or do you think he's mostly out of the equation right now? Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe if it's a good, good question. As, you know, if it's an LSU guy, they'll they'll try to get some intel. What, what his thoughts on that guy if he played with him? But I, I, I think more so than specific players and getting the opinion on them, it's it's what he wants um, in the bigger picture. You know, i.e., interior offensive lineman which they attacked in free agency. Um, you know, Burrow has talked about that, that he's, he's very comfortable. He almost embraces the, the, the free runner off the edge. He feels like he can make that guy miss and then he's going to have somebody that he can throw to. It's a lot different w- when the push is coming up the middle. And, and I think that's where 
where his desire is to, to, to bolster the interior of the line and give him a cleaner pocket. Um, so in that regard, I don't think they're having him watch tape and breaking down guards and centers. They just know maybe they need another one or two of those to, to get more depth on the interior of the line. Yeah, that's a great point. I think most of the conversation is probably philosophical. I mean, yep. Duke and, and Zach have talked quite often about how they just they just like talking with Joe. I mean, it, talking ball, talking players, talking philosophy, and and making sure that he knows that they want him involved in the process. And and, and that does definitely doesn't mean grinding the tape, uh, but it does mean let's talk about types of tight ends right let's talk about speed versus you know high point versus you know can give you reliability and things like that and you start talking through what he feels like he needs or wants the most when he's out there on the field and then they pinpoint the players and say that that's great we're gonna we'll see if we can find something like that for you and this, 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 and this are some of the guys we're looking at. If you want to look at this, I'm sure you could. You know, I, I think that's probably more along the lines of Burrow's involvement uh, right now because it is so hard to get into specific players. But, yeah, you're right. I mean, LSU guys, guys he would have familiarity with, um, I'm sure, you know, they do that with not just Joe, but with a lot of people. They're trying to find out people that they they played with in, in at their schools or whatever. Uh, and so – I think that's probably more what those conversations are like and less about specific players, but he had input in the process. Let's take a question from the chat here real quick. Um, let's go right up here. Uh, oh, yeah. Let, what, let's do it. Why not? Donald K, thoughts on the lease? Why not, Jay? <laughs> You know what, though? I mean, it's an important conversation piece as, you know, we have obviously the temporary bubble. The idea of the permanent fixture uh, is all been out. And now we have the first of the two consultants that are saying uh, the first ones that said basically for the next 20 years and take half a billion dollars, five hundred million dollars to truly renovate, um, you know, that number is smaller than I thought it would be. Um, smaller than what we've seen in some other markets, but I'd be curious, you know, what is this true renovation? Are we really, that, that means to make the place quite a bit more spectacular, not just, oh yeah, better Wi-Fi and more screens. And, you know, what, what are we really talking about? And I'd be curious to see how the second consultant uh, comes back and what they have to say. But I, I, I found that number, to be lower than I thought it to, could be. And I don't, you know, I don't know what the negotiation looks like. I don't, I don't know how contentious all of this will be or where it ends up. But my initial gut reaction on that in regards to the lease was that I thought that number was more digestible than I anticipated to be. Yeah, same. And the, the, the thing that really interested me was where, where they said it was built to evolve. And I'm curious mm -hmm. because it, what does that does that mean adding more seats and closing off some of those those gaps and sight lines? I you, you wonder, you know, that would also you would think have to come with more concessions, more bathrooms. There's there's a lot that goes into that. Do they have the parking to accommodate that? Do they want more seats? I mean, there's no guarantee they're going to be as hot as they are right now for the next 10, 20 years, whatever it is, you, 
you you start putting more seats in and, and the attendance starts falling and it starts looking like the Reds games have looked the last couple of nights. Um, but that does interest me because that's always one thing that is kind of before I started covering the team and went to games frustrated me is you can't just if you're in the upper deck, you can't just walk over to the other side. You have to go down a level and maybe an escalator. And it's it, it's so hard to to move around that stadium and you have to go up and down levels to do it as opposed to you know, the old riverfront stadium where just, you just walk in a circle and you can, you can go through the, you can go wherever you want to go. Um, but I, I, I don't have an architecture background. I don't know exactly what that means, but it does intrigue me, uh, how they would evolve that stadium without just doing the basic upgrades you mentioned with Wi-Fi and infrastructure. Okay. Um, yeah, man, I, I, I'm really interested to see where that all ends up. I go back to, you know, the UC renovation of, of fifth third and it felt different inside, you know, when you go in, it feels like a different place and it feels like you really have something new. How much will it feel like you have something new and how much will it feel like you just, you know, put a, you know, uh, I'm being facetious here, but a fresh coat of paint on, you know, (laughs) I'm just curious to see what it, what the actual difference would be for that cost. Or should you start talking about, knocking it down and nobody wants to i don't think anybody wants to do that and it sounds like no it sounds like nobody really has interest in doing anything like that and for me that this what this is the beginning stages of something that i think um you can see a resolution coming fairly easily let's get back to the draft um and let's see run passer boot Bengals take linderbaum bagels take punt god Bengals take a wide receiver in the first three rounds um, <laughs> uh, I will run with wide receiver in the first three rounds. Um, <laughs> I guess they could take fun. God. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I don't see that. Um, I, <laughs> I think that I will, uh, that I will boot. Hunt God and pass on Linderbaum. I don't think either is going to happen, though. No, and I mean I'll run with wide receiver in the third round too because that's actually what I have in my box today is them taking Shakir from Boise State in the third round. So I absolutely think that's in play. Um, the Punt God thing, I it's just I, I know Mo probably got some hopes up with with him taking him in our our mega mock <laughs> spectacular. I just I don't Mo's an entertainer. It, Right. And, and they, they are, they are very high on Drew Christman. They thought he could have beat out Kevin Huber last year and he had the camp, the injury right before camp. And, and I, I think they're, they're going to bring Huber back and, and he's one game away from setting the, the team record for most games played. He, he wants that. And I'm sure he would be willing to come back on whatever salary they offer to, to even have a shot to beat out Christman in camp. It just, it feels like that's, you, you, it doesn't feel like you need a third punter in the conversation. Now, maybe they maybe they do just part ways with with Kevin Huber and they they get a guy late like you had them taking in, in your mock draft in the seventh round or an undrafted free agent. And let them bat, battle out with Chrisman. But I I really do see this being a, a Chrisman Huber summer and uh, let the let the best foot win. Let the best foot win. Uh, all right, let's go back uh, to up on stage and bring. Uh, 
Kevin I up onto the stage. Kevin, how are we doing? Good. How are you guys? Great, Kevin. Good. What's going on? So I have a question for you. It's not quite a run past your boot because uh, I don't have a third option. But there's been a lot of talk about this draft being heavy, uh, the depths in the middle rounds. So a question for you guys. Do you think it'd be better for the Bengals to have their current set of draft picks or they didn't have a first round pick? They had their second, but they had three thirds, two fourths and three fifths, no six and seventh round picks. So you had nine picks total, but eight of them are in between around three and five. Well, this sounds like a topic for the sports intoxication podcast, honestly. <laughs> I mean, I could have been intoxicated when I came up with it, but that's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Kevin, it's good. It's good, to, good to have you up into the live room, of course, as always. Uh, I, to answer your question, Kev, I got to say this. I love the idea of the all the picks in the middle round. I think that's I think that's fun. I think you can find contributors and playmakers. Uh, and I'm always about, you know, more swipes at it, especially when you talk about how much I just, when we were going through those exercises and we were looking at the guys that were there in three and four, God, it just felt like there were a lot of really good players and you could just see them taking three, four, five of those guys and really being happy. The idea of taking eight of them, <laughs> I mean, sounds sounds like it would be incredible. And I, I don't know if you told them that right now, if they would definitely sign up for it, because I'm sure they have their eyes on somebody near the top of the draft. But yeah, I, you know, I think it, I, I the Ravens have basically taken that strategy on how many picks do they have in the fourth? I mean, they're, they, they have seen that and kind of positioned themselves that way. Um, I, I love that idea. I, I, I would probably go for that. Um, but I don't know that you could convince people that have been working to try to get these prospects. They want a 31 to do it. <laughs> I, well, I think it's, a- well, I was just going to say that what it boils back to me is, and you guys talk about this all the time on podcasts and, and you write about it is the Bengals love taking that two swipes at one position or two swipes at two positions approach. And with a couple extra picks in those mid rounds, there's no you, doubt there would be a lot of multiple swipes. I think you would see you could see three of those being corners, you know, and and, that, how, and what's the odds of that working out versus like what what are the odds of three round corners working out versus Andrew Booth, you know, all your all your chips on one guy. I don't know. I mean, at corner, maybe more likely that the premium player ends up having a better chance of working out, but. Not necessarily. Um, there's there's nothing that necessarily says that specifically at other positions. Defensive line, I would say, give me the three mid round guys, just knowing the history of this place um, and what and how, what that's looked like. So um, yeah, I think it probably depends on the position and, and too. If you're talking about doubles and triples up, and and if you could get away with not having a corner in one of your first two picks, I don't think they can. The problem with this is it's you have to set that up a couple years in advance. They, if, if they trade back from, from first round from 31, they're going to get a late third or a fourth. That's it. Yeah. You have two sevenths and a six. If you trade your sixth and two sevenths, the, the trade value chart for that is another sixth. 
just to move up a few few spots in the six. It's to, to load up like that in the third, fourth, and fifth. They don't have the capital to do it right now, unless they're dealing players, or unless you set it up a year or so in advance and and you know trade trade a player at the deadline for a third or fourth. But there, there's nothing they can do right now on draft day to to set that kind of drafts draft up draft allotment up. Just keep moving back, baby. Just keep moving back. <laughs> just refuse to pick. Just refuse to pick. Do it Viking style. Just don't even take a pick. Just sit there all day. <laughs> uh, well, thanks for answering my question, guys. And I'll be cheersing to you on Saturday night for that uh, best beer of the year for you guys. We appreciate all the hard work you guys do and all the coverage and all the tidbits and everything you do for us. Well, thank you for that. We do appreciate it. Appreciate it, bud. Talk to you later. Ken S. up on the stage. Ken, are you with me? Can you guys hear me? Hey, oh, there you are. Oh, there he is. What's up? Sorry. We did it. We, I knew we'd do it. We're, we have resiliency and perseverance. Sorry, my uh, my car Bluetooth wasn't uh, cooperating. Uh, but a uh, special shout-out to good. Jay real quick. I'm rolling through Hamilton, and uh, and as a kid, <laughs> read a bunch of your stuff in uh, Dayton Daily News and Springfield News Sun. So it's, uh, it's cool to see you guys transition to the athletic because you guys do great work. Thanks, Ken. Don't make eye contact with anybody. <laughs> it's, it's okay. That's I not a joke. That's actually. <laughs> um, so I, I just had a quick uh, run passer boot on, because um, obviously I'm a homer. Um, with the Bearcats drafted by the Bengals, potentially, it seems like, especially in the mid rounds, like a lot of the uh, areas of need for depth kind of line up with like. Pierce and Sanders and uh, Brooks and Cook, but I, I haven't seen a lot a lot of those picks mocked to them. Is it just based on kind of exercises on consensus big boards where they're like a half round ahead or behind of where they're picking? Um, just because I feel like, you know, coming out with maybe Cook. Jay, are you there? Yeah, I'm still here. Do we, Did we lose I, him? I, I oh, think I we lost Ken. Okay, good. All right, that's okay. We got. I think we got it. Bearcats in the mid rounds. Jay, what do you think? I, I just I, I think fans like the idea of of Bearcats and Buckeyes and the local guys, but I, I and Zach kind of talked about this Monday. They they have a relationship with the staff there, and and they they are closer proximity wise. But I just I don't think it plays that big of a role in their evaluation. It's you know if you think about it, it's yes. Nine Bearcats. That's, that's a heck of a lot. That's a great class for this, that school. But overall, the total number of prospects, I mean, the odds are just against that kind of thing happening. I think maybe if it came down to a, a tiebreaker situation where two guys, they viewed exactly the same and, and they say, let's get the local guy. But it's, uh, I think there's a misconception out there that, that, you know, Mike Brown likes the local guys to try to sell tickets. That's, that's not what's happening. It's just, it's, it's a long shot. I mean, you, you look at the total number of prospects and the guys that are local and the, the, the math just isn't there, but I, I do, I could see Brian cook in the fourth round. I, I, I could see it happening, but I just, it, it feels like it's, it's kind of forced to try to mock local guys to the Bengals. Yeah. I mean, I do think there's some positional matchups here. I mean, I, I, mm-hmm. I it's not, I mean, when you talk about, Look, UC has most of their players on the defensive side of the ball here. Yeah. Uh, we know what the Bengals are hunting. 
And so if we're talking about Kobe Bryant, if we're talking about Brian Cook, if you're talking about Curtis Brooks, you know, maybe you're talking about Sanders. I mean, I, I don't, I don't think it's out of the question. I think, you know, I, when I did the mock draft today, I tried to do the heavy lean and focus on all the intangible personality stuff that the Bengals have been stressing to us. Cause they just, I tend to believe them when they tell us the same thing over and over again. And mm-hmm. they have drafted this way over and over again is the guys they have taken for the most part. There's obviously exceptions that, and specifically the ones that have worked out have been heavy in that toughness, grit process, loving stuff that we hear so much about and you can have a very solid confirmation on that stuff because of the relationships at UC with Fickle. I mean, they basically live in each other's backyard, mm-hmm. uh, Zach and Fickle. I mean, it's it's not – and connections with the staff and everybody over there. Yes, the thing is that stuff being so important to the Bengals, to me, is what suggests they would pull the trigger on a UC guy, not the fact that they're in Clifton. And they, but they could also have great relationships at Nebraska, at mm-hmm. Clemson, at LSU, everywhere. These guys, I mean, their whole staff has connections. You just happen to have a lot of them uh, that you really trust at UC. When you put positional with knowing the player and the and, and the type of guy you're getting and the round, yeah, I think you could see it make sense. And I think I would probably start with Brian Cook at safety because that's obviously going to be a spot they're going to be looking for. We had talking with Dan Horde the other day and he was talking about how he's kind of like he's Von Bell, right? I mean, mm-hmm. he plays like Von Bell. You could see him taking over Von Bell's spot next year and being his backup this year. So something like that. I don't think it's out of the question at all. And in fact, I, I think if you were laying odds, um, you know, playing a percentage that a Bearcat gets drafted by the Bengals over the next three days, it'd be closer to 50% than you think. I, I mean, I would put it around 38.8% chance just because there's so many and they're all yeah. mostly on the side of the ball. The Bengals are going to be focusing. You know, another thing that was really interesting that Dan said uh, when we were talking to him the other day is it, it, all these scouts come uh, to watch UC play because they had so many, so many draft eligible guys or draft likely guys, and they would stop by the booth to see the color guy Jim Kelly, and they would ask questions about these players. And he said the number one UC player that the scouts wanted to know about was Brian Cook. Um, so that that tells you uh, there there's a lot of interest in him, and he would it, it just the the position where he's likely to go. It just it seems like it would fit the Bengals really well. I I had him taking a safety in the fifth round. Um, Brian cooks, probably more of a third or fourth. Uh, But uh, yeah, you, you could see it happen. I don't know if I go that high. I just, because the math is, it's so hard for it to happen. The Bengals haven't taken uh, a local, either Ohio state or UC guy for a couple of years. Now I would, I I would put it more in the 15% range. Yeah. Um, Let's go um, and say, let's see what, what personnel moves could we see post draft extensions for Jonah Williams, either linebackers, um, in Spain? Uh, I'll, you know, I think some of it, I do not, the big thing with Jonah Williams will be whether or not they do the fifth year option. 
um, which is a really close one. I think that we discussed a little bit of the podcast the other day, but you know, hard to know exactly where they're going to go. My gut says that um, they won't when you're talking about paying 12, $13 million for somebody that's playing at his current level. That's not what you would pay him on the open market. He wouldn't be worth that right now um, at his current level of play. That doesn't mean he won't be, but for that fact, I just think it's a really tough decision. We'll see how it comes out. Monday's the deadline. Um, the, uh, yeah, the obvious is the Bates conversation that will happen in July. We've discussed that a lot. Yeah, I, I think if you see a position come through that they don't get, I mean, I, they're going to check back in on the market, right? I mean, if they if the corners just don't get right, yeah, I think you could see them making some calls that are some guys that are still out there. Same thing with defensive line, uh, and and that's um you know that's pretty standard stuff. I don't see a Jermaine Pratt extension happening. I, I don't think you're going to see anything like that. I think Bates is your next chance uh, for anything to potentially happen. But after that, I don't think you're going to see any major personnel moves, certainly not by anybody that's already in-house. Yeah, that, I, I'm with you. I think corner and defensive line, specifically defensive tackle, are there's still a decent amount of veteran guys out there, and they're they're maybe on the wrong side of 30 to be an ideal pickup. But you look at the, the success they had with grabbing Eli Apple in May last year. Um, a lot of these guys are, are probably went into free agency thinking they were going to get more than than is being offered, and at this point, they they might be willing to to settle for a, a much lower contract, to go to a team that was in the playoffs, that was in the Super Bowl last year. Um, and again, it's not, not anybody that you're going to want to count on long term, but you could, you could get a guy for one year, two million, one year, three million, who could really give you some decent depth, who, who has played in this league and, and proved he can do it. All right. Let's, uh, let's, um, wrap this up here, Jay, with one last, uh, question. And I'll, let's see. We'll, we'll finish up here with Landry S. Uh, it says, leading up to last year's draft, there were some concerns on Jackson Carmen about his motivation. Not only came true, but you can argue cost them a Super Bowl. Fair. Because they had no guards to rely upon. That was very fair. Uh, convince me why they should take a flyer on Devontae Wyatt or another guy with red flags when it blew up in their face as recently as last year. I think they're unlikely to take a flyer on somebody like that. You know, again, I said there are, were some exceptions. Um, I do think it, it probably only further solidified the fact that they need to be focusing more on knowing guys have motivation and, and all of that type of stuff um, as well. And realizing that maybe they didn't focus enough on that last year with Wyatt. Look, we're, Jackson Carmen was not the top-ranked player at his position last year. You know, I, I tend to look at what people who know what the heck they're talking about say, people that I trust. Dane Brugler says he's the best three technique in this draft. I trust that. Daniel Jeremiah talks about how good Devontae Wise. PFF has him as, as the best three technique in the draft. Like, I, you look at that stuff, I see that enough. Um, it's a one thing to... It's one thing to say you're worried about character. And we're talking about, you know, he, he had the, the three cases that were all dismissed. You know, I'm not, I do not want to go into this. Um, but we saw how the Bengals felt differently about Joe Mixon after 
his case was wrapped up uh, in the pre-draft process and they felt comfortable taking him then because they felt they had enough thoughts and, and confirmations on the character he was outside of that event. And they were able to come to terms with however they felt about the event with Amelia Molitor. Now, this is not that, but it's, it's, if you're talking about how do they feel about Devontae Wyatt, the person, I don't know that specifically, but in regards to the flags uh, that are up around the charges that were thrown out, we do have precedence here of how they feel about something that is no longer on their record anymore, never became of anything, which is they tend to think that that player has a right to be employed. Um, that's just the way they have been in the past. And so I, I don't know that they would be scared off by that if they feel like they could potentially be getting the best three technique in this draft. Yeah, those are all great points. And the, the other thing I would just add is that that not all red flags are the same. Uh, Wyatt and Carmen are kind of apples and oranges because it's off the field is completely different than motivation and motor and, and the motivation and motor thing is, is what you're talking about with Carmen. And you, you hope you could get that out of them. Um, I don't, again, I don't know the people they've talked to at Georgia may say that Devontae Wyatt does have that love for football. He has everything that talent and, and desire and all that. It's just these, this off the field stuff. And if the Bengals are comfortable with it, I, I don't think, in any way, shape, or form, the situation with Carmen, which is still not resolved. He had one clunky rookie year. There's there's still the hope that the light goes on for him. But I don't think anything – I don't think it's translatable, the, the, the Carmen situation to the Wyatt situation. No doubt. And uh, that's why those guys, they, they do their homework on everybody and try to get a good feel for um, every situation and every player and, and, and how they play on the field and how that relates to the way that they are in the locker room. But uh, thanks everybody for the questions, man. We appreciate it. And I hope everybody enjoyed the content and the run up. And uh, again, tonight we will have a walkout for you after the draft. We'll get done with the draft. We will get done interviewing the player that they take. If they take somebody and don't trade out and the coaches and everything should be waiting for you in the morning uh, as we recap round one. And we'll do the same thing on Friday night for Saturday morning. On Saturday night for Sunday morning, we will have uh, another live room next Monday. And then next Tuesday night at 5 o'clock, or excuse me, next Tuesday night, May 3rd at 7 o'clock at 50 West Brewing Company. Myself, Jay, Bengals Director of College Scouting, Mike Potts will be down there. Come have some beers with us, hang out, talk draft. Should be a great time. Looking forward to that. Thanks, everybody, for listening to the live room. We will uh, talk to you next time. Have a good one, everybody. Mm-hmm.